Chapter what? Chapter 8. What verse? What verse? Verse 1. Yeah, we're just starting chapter 8, right? And we will be taking communion this morning, too, which is a total blessing. 1 Corinthians 8. Corinthians 8. Still hear some rustling, some good rustling. All right, let's pray and um, we'll ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us, for gathering us together. You know exactly each need in this room. All of those that are listening, Lord, you know the needs in our lives, what we need to hear this morning. And Lord, again, I pray that you would meet those needs, speak to our hearts as only you can. You're so faithful, so good to us. And so as we open our hearts to you, we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. So we appeal to the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to lead us and guide us, to help us to correctly divide your word. So we commit this time to you now, and we thank you ahead of time for the great, great things that you are going to do. Help us to apply what we're learning, that we might bring you glory. And it's in your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we are. And I just want to remind us kind of the context as we've rolled into these uh, chapters, sort of in the middle of the letter, the Apostle Paul is now answering questions that the Corinthian church had for him. Remember, there's some correspondence that's happening between the church in Corinth and between the Apostle Paul The last couple of weeks, we looked at questions concerning marriage, concerning singleness. And now this morning, we are going to look at a really, um, how should I say, really weird topic. (laughs) But it was culturally relevant. Uh, It was a culturally relevant issue back then. And it was an issue that was divisive back then. And listen, we face issues today um, that are very divisive in the church, don't we? We do, correct? And nothing's changed after 2,000 years. There's still issues in the church that, ha- that are divisive. And some of those issues we're going to talk about that create conflict are those undefined areas in Scripture. Where, as we study our Bibles, um, it's not clearly defined what God has to say concerning this topic. Things are, think, we know things are black and white in the Scriptures, but there are some areas... Again, undefined things. In Romans 14, the Apostle Paul calls them doubtful things. Um, They're also known as liberties or liberties in Christ also. And so we have freedom in those areas. Listen, we have freedom in those areas to be led by the Spirit and to be led by our conscience as well. We're going to learn that this morning. And there's always, I know there's always lots of questions. Um... 
about what we do with our liberties, how we handle um, these undefined areas. And I want to be really clear this morning, we are not talking about things that are clearly forbidden in the scriptures. We learned about things that are clearly forbidden, didn't we? In chapter 6, we read about not being deceived, how the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul expands that list also in Galatians chapter 5. So God is very clear, is he not? Is God clear in his word? Very clear. We need to keep that in the back of our minds as we're studying. And so um, we're called to walk in righteousness. And God lays it out clearly, the things that we are to walk in. And so it says, in, as we study chapter 8 and we get to uh, chapter 10 also, that there's some undefined areas um, that, that God doesn't deal with specifically. And, and maybe you know some of those issues, what day we should worship on. That's a hu- or what day we should not worship on. Or what clothes should we wear. Or tattoos. Or piercings. Alcohol. Movie, oh, let me just stop. Alcohol, drunkenness is a sin. Okay, flat out. So just make sure we understand that. I just read that. Um, But movies, television, uh, cigarettes. Someone just talked to me after church about cigarettes. Pastor, will cigarettes send me to hell? No, you just smell like it. I I was trying to be gracious. I'm like, love you. That's just... But, but you guys know, dancing, right? Can Christians dance? What's the answer? Some can, some can't. I mean, that never gets old to me. <laughs> but those are, listen, those are undefined issues in the scriptures. And there are lots of, there's lots of conflict in the church over those areas. Not just a, different, a difference of opinion. Battle lines are drawn in churches over these issues, and we even go as far as to measure our own righteousness off of these undefined issues. And so we make ourselves look righteous or we look down on people with our spiritual noses, our self-righteous noses at others that aren't partaking in the things that I'm partaking or they're doing things that I don't believe you should be doing in these undefined areas. And so, listen, there's two extremes when it comes to liberties. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to define them. Number one, legalism. I know this is a super long intro, but I think we need to cover this. Because it's an issue that can divide the church, you guys. And does God want us to be divided? No. Does God want his church divided, you guys, his family divided? No. No way, man. He wants us to be one, so united. As Jesus and the Father are one, so tight, so close. So we're going to be helped by the Apostle Paul this morning to navigate these issues. But I want to touch on two things. There's two extremes when it comes to this. Number one, there's legalism. And you guys have heard this term, legalism. Here's a simple definition. It is the approach to Christian living that turns liberties into a rule or a regulation for self-righteousness. I mean, you can turn a whole bunch of God's word into, into rules and regulations for self-righteousness. But specifically speaking of liberties into a rule or regulation for self-righteousness. In other words, this person 
um, takes undefined areas and establishes a grading system. This person is an A, B, C, or D Christian. You ever had that happen to you, by the way? Where people start to look down on you because of something? And they view others through their own little spiritual lens they've created and they grade people. And if you've ever been on the receiving end, it hurts, doesn't it? I I remember uh, when I first got saved, going into a church, and I'm not going to say what the name of the church was, was not Calvary Chapel. I came in in board shorts, flip-flops, because life is better in board shorts, by the way. (laughs) And I I cruise in there, and I tell you what, they wanted to run me out of there so fast. And all I knew was, I love Jesus, man. And I'm, and I'm reading in my Bible that, that the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And, and how could this happen? What is going on here? Why are they doing this to me? Why is this going on, man? So legalism. And then there's license or licentiousness. License is a person who, a person who walks in license is one who allows, listen, feelings natural inclinations or aka the flesh and culture as a guideline for making decisions in their life concerning undefined areas in the bible so their feelings the flesh culture they use that as the guideline concerning undefined areas uh, in the bible this person views liberties as a right to be exercised regardless of how, it, of how it impacts or influences other people. They could care less. It's my liberty, and I'm going to do what I want with it. I don't care what happens to anyone else. And they take their liberty and use it as an opportunity to indulge in the flesh, and they do it in a way with no concern of how, again, how it impacts other people. And so, you guys ever seen that happen, by the way? No. We'll talk about that in a little while. Because I think, listen, we're going to be taught this morning by God, and God's going to warn us this morning also concerning these areas. So Paul helps us navigate these undefined areas. Um, He helps the Corinthians, he helps the Romans, and he helps us this morning. And so let's look at God's Word. Chapter 8. That's enough of an intro, isn't it? Let's roll. Let's get to the Word, man. Now, concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. Him. Therefore, in light of that, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know, do you know this this morning, that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Those are some amazing verses, by the way. 
to sit back, to allow to wash over you this morning. But maybe you're sitting here going, well, time out, Pastor. What about that first verse, man? Talking about idols and, and things offered to idols. We need to put this in context of what was happening in Corinth. Remember, in Corinth, there was all this uh, worship of false gods and goddesses. One of the biggies was Aphrodite. There was a temple there to her. And so what would happen is people would come, their tourists would come, the locals would come to these temples, and they would come to worship these false gods, these phony gods, and they would bring their animal sacrifices for their gods to be blessed and have prosperity and success and so forth. And so what would happen is that sacrifice would be divvied up three ways. Part of the sacrifice would be burned on an altar, Part of the sacrifice would go to the one bringing the sacrifice. And part of the sacrifice would go to the priest or the priestess. So think about that. You have all these people bringing their meat, right? The priest couldn't eat all the meat. There's no... Is there refrigerators? No. Is there a supermarket? Freezers? You got a whole lot of meat, don't you? And people like to make money too, don't they? You got all this extra meat. And you have all these people that are looking to buy. So guess what happened? They opened up a meat market right there. So you have Zeus. You got Zeus, you got Zeus's temple, and you got Zeus's meat market. <laughs> but not just that. There would be restaurants there too. You'd have Zeus's bar and grill right there. <laughs> are you still with me this morning? So what would happen? That extra meat was now sold at discounted prices. And Christians like a good, don't you like a good deal, Christian? Especially on meat, don't, don't you guys like deals on, I love it. And so the Christians, some of them had no problem. <sighs> Idle schmeidel, it's, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no gods but one God. We got no problem eating that meat. But then you've got another group in the church, think about this with me, that what? They've come out of this background and they struggle with that. They're still hung up that that's being offered to gods. I wouldn't pay uh, one of my hard-earned dimes for that meat. No way. Get me as far away from that as possible. So you can understand there was some conflict. There were some things that were happening, a dynamic within the church. And so we have to re-piece this now. If they had questions for Paul, what was the question for Paul? Or questions. Can a Christian... Here's the question. Let's play Jeopardy, right? Can a Christian eat meat from the meat market at Zeus's? Or can a Christian go to Zeus's bar and grill? Are you with me? That's the question that's being asked here. And here's the point that Paul's going to make. Please don't miss this. In our decision-making concerning our liberties, we must consider love. It's not just about you, your liberty, what you get, but listen, you need to think it through when you're exercising your liberties, how this may affect your brother or your sister. What's interesting to me is Paul doesn't even deal with the issue yet, but he lays a foundation. He wants us to understand some things in those first three verses. Look what he says here. This is so important. He talks about knowledge in the Christian life. And something all of us get. We all have knowledge. We all have spiritual insight. And listen, I want to make sure we understand this point. He's not saying that's a bad thing. He's not down on knowledge. He's not down on learning. 
He's not down on education. Paul, listen, Paul wanted to grow in knowing Jesus. Knowledge. We are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We should want to grow in those things. The problem is that when there's knowledge without love. Knowledge alone puffs up. He's saying here, that word, I looked this up. You know what puffs means? It means to inflate by blowing. It means swollen. And it also means a person filled with themselves and exuding unhealthy levels of self-importance. You ever met someone like that? We would call them like a windbag. They're, so, they're just so swollen, right, with head knowledge, and there's no love flowing from their life. Again, knowledge alone is not enough. That's what can happen, intellectual snobbery. Left by itself, it's emptiness. It's, it's puffed up. Knowledge without love, let me, let, me, let me encourage this this morning. Knowledge without love makes you arrogant and causes you to be prideful. And listen this morning, you can know your Bible from cover to cover. You can memorize it, know it backwards and forwards, but not, not mixed with love. It produces nothing but pride in your life. How can you say that, Pastor? Look at the Pharisees. Did they know the Bible? Did they have the Bible memorized? They, and they were so meticulous in the things they did, right? Even all the way down to their seeds. One for God, nine for me. One for God, nine for me. And, and the Lord looked at what they're doing and is like, listen, you're, you're majoring in the minors. You're, do, you're doing, that's good to give to God, but you're missing out on the mercy of God and the love of God. Why? Because they had all that knowledge, but it did not translate into love in their lives. How do we know that? Because they killed the Lord of glory. Innocent, because of envy. With all that knowledge, they end up killing an innocent man. Listen, and we, the challenge for us here at Calvary Chapel is we know the Word. We study the Word. We grow in the Word. We study it for years and years. But if we don't walk in love, it's hypocrisy. Paul's going to say later that it's emptiness. It, it profits us absolutely nothing at all. There's a danger of building your relationship with God off of what you know and not walking in love also. Listen, the gospel should produce humility in our lives, shouldn't it? The gospel should produce, shouldn't be producing pride in our lives. It should be producing love, love for the Lord and love for others. And, and, and Paul is, again, building the foundation here. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. What does edify mean? Build up. It means to strengthen, to make strong, to make sturdy. We get the word edifice, right? A building. You're building someone up. Some people swell, but some people grow. And the difference is love. And if I've been touched by God, if you've been touched by God, we will make our decisions concerning our liberties um, with other people in mind. How do I know that? Because, because it says about Jesus, by this we know love, that he gave his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John says, in light of what Jesus did, you also ought to do the same thing. Lay down your lives for one another. And sometimes that includes our liberties, you guys. Those things that we have freedom in. Number, verse number two, it's the be humble verse. Mr. Know-it-all knows nothing as he should. You know, I am learning. I used to think I knew it all. I don't know anything. 
Doesn't that happen the longer you walk with the Lord? It's like, oh, I can't wait to take, teach this passage, man. We've been down this trail before. And then all of a sudden, I don't even know what's going on here. Lord, help me. Some of you are like, amen, I know you're talking about. Because when you're young, you think you know it all, don't you? I know it all. I know that already. You ever, you ever have people do that to you? I know that already. You're trying to help them out. I know that already. You're trying to help them. I know that. You're, 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 what is it? You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Listen, the choir needs to hear the word and walk in it too. Amen. And so don't think you have all the answers, he says in verse 2. You're not as smart as you think you are. The person that thinks he's hot stuff is really not all that. <laughs> That's the loose pair for translation. Anyone, oh, verse 3 is so good. Anyone that loves God, the person who loves God, do you love the Lord this morning? Do you love the Lord this morning? Anybody here love the Lord? You guys still awake with me? We love him because he first loved us. Look, what, look at what it says. Anyone loves God, God knows you. I mean, the Bible talks about, like the Apostle Paul, I want to know him more. Uh, Jeremiah 9, we, we make our boast that we know and understand him. But to think about that this morning, that God knows you. Mm-hmm. Is that amazing that he accepts you? That he's not grossed out by you? That he cares for you? I'm just meditating on this verse this week. I'm just like, wow, Lord, you care for me. You're not grossed out by me. You know me intimately. And you still hang with me? You still bear with me? God, thank you. It makes me want love him more. And so Paul says, in light of that, verse 4, in light of that, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, concerning this topic... Right? We know two things. What are the two things we need to know right here in this verse? Number one, we need to be sure of that an idol is nothing at all. Hopefully we all know that this morning. Idols can't see, they can't talk, they can't hear, they can't deliver. Psalm 135 says those that worship idols become just like idols. I mean, I think about the the folly of idolatry. We read about it in the Old Testament, don't we? Some of those gods that can get knocked over, they got to be carried. If, and listen, if your God can get knocked over, you got the wrong God. If you've got to carry your God, you've got the wrong God. I need a God that can carry me, that can pick me back up when I've fallen over. The folly of, the folly of those gods, they're phonies, they're fakes, and there is only one God. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Before we come to know Jesus, we're blind, aren't we? We're lost. It's like, think about the idols that we worship. Money, right? For some of us, money, popularity, power, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it was. And then what happens? You get saved. You get born again, and the light comes on. And by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you know there's one God. And, and him, he's the only one worthy of worship and serving. Because he's set you free. And he's given you life. And Paul's reminding them of that. Those gods are, look at verse 5, they're so-called gods, right? They're not real gods. And the Greeks, by the way, had a pantheon, a whole collection of gods. Read Acts chapter 17. When Paul, remember when Paul cruised into Mars Hill? And he's looking around going, wow, look at all the gods that they worship here. They've even got one to the unknown god, just in case they miss one. Got to make sure I get all my bases covered. There's one for the unknown God, just in, just in case. Listen, the Lord doesn't want you guessing. He wants you to know that you're saved today. You need to have the right God, and that's Jesus Christ. 
And so the, in the context here, what's Paul saying? Hey, listen, when you go to Zeus's, there's no real Zeus. Are you with me? There, there's no Zeus there. It's a statue. He's just a statue. He's a figment of your imagination. He's not a real deity. He's not God. He's an illusion. It's a fake, a phony. It's not real. For us, we know there's one God. Look at verse 6. It's beautiful. We know there's one God, the Father. And then he says, of whom are all things. How much is all? All. All. Everything Everything belongs to God, by the way. And not only that, everything comes from him. Life breath, every good thing comes from him. Are you keeping yourself, your heart beating right now? How many of you can keep your heart beating? How many of you are regulating your breath right now? It's God making your heart beat, making you breathe. Listen, he even has blessed us with the ability to make decisions. Think about that gift. The ability to make decisions. He's given us life and breath and every good thing. Everything we have is from a gift from our Heavenly Father who loves us. And He is good. Not just that. It says there's one God and of whom are all things and we for Him. We belong to God and we exist and, and are created for His good pleasure, by the way. Revelation 4.11, if you got an old King Jimmy, that's what it says. We're created for His pleasure. This is so important because liberties are so often about my pleasure, what I'm going to get, about me. No, no, no. You're created for His pleasure, for Him. Colossians 1, we're told the same thing. All things are created by Him and for Him. You've been bought at a price. Your life is no longer your own. Amen. We're made for him, to live for God. How's that for purpose, by the way? What's my purpose, man? Do I have any purpose in this life? Live for the Lord. Amen. Watch what he'll do in your life. He'll blow you away. It's an adventure of faith. Yes. One Lord. Look at this. Who is he? Jesus Christ. He rules. He reigns. He's redeemed us. Through whom are all things. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is the agent of creation. Colossians 1, John 1. Jesus is the agent of creation. Not only is Jesus creator, but he's sustainer. The Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Is that kind of cool or what? You ever thought about that? The scientists are still wondering what's holding the atom together. They call it the atomic glue. You know who it is? Jesus. And one day he's going to say, enough's enough. Second Peter. He lets go and what's going to happen? The place is going to be torched, burned up, melted. And then what happens? We're going to be right there with our dad. He's going to create something out of nothing. A new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. How cool is that going to be? Can you imagine creating something out of nothing? Dad, this is going to be so awesome. Boom. And you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to go down. God said it. Good good place for an amen. I don't know. (laughs) Of whom are all, through whom are all things. He shares everything with us. Through whom we live, it is through Jesus we have life. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he has made us alive. Jesus is the good shepherd who not only gave his life for us, but he gives life to us in that more abundantly. Through him we live. So what's, what's he saying here? What's the point? Why is, Paul, why is Paul making this point, you guys? What, what are we talking about again? What's our topic? Idols, meat, idol. I heard, that sounds right. How about our liberties? Exercising our liberties. In the exercise of our liberties, we must consider God. I must put God right at the center of my decision making. Romans uh, 14. This is what Paul says in Romans 14. Same issue the church of Rome was dealing with. He, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. Actually, let me back up. Uh, Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Listen, everything you do, do it unto him as an act of worship. But there's something else here. Not only with our liberties... Are we enjoying God's blessing? We're enjoying His blessing. It's an act of worship, but something else. It is not to be indulging our flesh, you guys. Galatians 5.13 For you, brethren, my precious brothers and sisters, have been called to liberty. Yes. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We've been set free, you guys. We've been given liberty. What are we to do with our liberty? In love, serve one another. Not to indulge our flesh. Not to live for what we put in and put on. Jesus said, that's what the heathens do. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Live for the Lord. However, look at the transition back at 1 Corinthians 8. So he changes gears here. Look at this. However... There is not in everyone that knowledge. You see what Paul's saying? There is not in everyone, not everyone in the church has that knowledge. What knowledge? One God, idols are nothing. Right? One Father, one Lord. Some people don't have that knowledge. They're still hung up with idols. They still think there's a real God involved there. They haven't grown in this. They haven't learned this yet. In fact, look what it says. Let's keep reading. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, with awareness of the idol, until now eat as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak, is defiled. So they still view eating that meat as meat that has been offered to a real God. And the problem we see here, their conscience, the conscience is a God-given moral compass, if you will. God-given showing us right and wrong. The Bible tells us, teaches us, 
That our consciences can be hardened. They can be defiled. Our consciences can be seared. Seared to the point where we lose feeling. All feeling whatsoever. But here's the cool thing. Upon trust in Jesus Christ, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10 tells us that our consciences have been renewed. Washed. It's glorious. So as believers, we have the Word of God, the Spirit of God, a renewed conscience within us. And that renewed conscience helps us to regulate and navigate the use of our liberties. So Paul says here, listen, Paul mentions here brothers or sisters in verse 7. Brothers or sisters that what? Who were weak in their conscience. They did not have the knowledge needed. And what was the result? They were easily influenced. In other words, that word defiled means to be made dirty or damaged. In other words, let me, let me see if I can help us out. Paul's saying we have this knowledge that those idols are pretend gods. They're fake. They're phony. But for some, it still seems real. Following fake gods has damaged them. And they still don't understand yet. And Paul makes something very clear. Look at verse 8 with me real fast. Verse 8, look what it says. He says, but food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. So Paul talks about those weaker brothers. Not every believer enjoys that freedom of eating that meat um, that's given to idols. And he says here, food, what you eat, does not commend you to God. That word commend means to, to stand beside or close to. Food doesn't bring you any closer to God. Are you with me? This is so important. Whether we eat or whether we abstain from eating, it doesn't affect our standing with God, our right standing with God. It doesn't affect our relationship with Him. Our righteousness, our right standing is a free gift, correct? I guess, amen? <laughs> That's like about 20%. Hopefully you're not working for your righteousness. The Bible says your own righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We don't need to discuss that, do we? What that means in the Hebrew. I don't want to gross you out before lunch. Or before you go to Costco to get your free samples. You'll be, be thinking about filthy rags over there. That's your own righteousness. But God says, you put your faith and trust in my son. Here's his perfect righteousness given to you. What we eat or don't eat doesn't bring us any closer to God. You're as close as you can get. He's living in you. Nor does what I eat or what I not eat make me more spiritual or less spiritual. Oh, Please answer that and tell them I, I'm, I'm on a roll here. Because we can, we can go beyond food here. We can talk about, what about drums in church? Drums or no drums? Are we more spiritual with drums or less spiritual with drums? It doesn't matter. Do we, do, do we need a church building or a house church? Which, I mean, that's a big issue. I mean, I'm going to be stepping on toes. I don't care. 
Beach or no beach? <laughs> hey, here's one I've heard. Real Christians only worship on Saturday, bro. Pagans worship on Sunday. They worship the sun god. Really? Who are you worshiping? Saturn? The god of Saturn? I, that's bad. I know. Pray for me. I'm just... I may have not been in the spirit. <laughs> Listen, we don't base our righteousness off of the use of our liberty. The, li- the use of our liberty doesn't make us more or less righteous, more or less spiritual. It's interesting to me that Paul lets us know, though, that the weaker brother is the one that's more restrictive. Isn't that interesting? Typically, I think typically, or sometimes we think the restrictive brother is viewed as the higher grade Christian. And sometimes they act like it too, don't they? You got a country western station on your dial there? On your preset? If you go down two more, there's classic rock too. They're they're counting back. Mm. But the one with the weaker conscience, the weaker brother has forgotten or they don't know that the use of their liberty does not bring righteousness before God. It's Jesus who does. Our relationship with God, our right standing, our nearness is all because of Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is not established by a list of do's or don'ts. Your spirituality is not based upon a list of rules and regulations. Don't you love that he knows you? That he still loves you? And listen, personally, I'm someone that's growing in these areas. I want to grow in these areas. And Paul issues a warning. Really, it's God issuing a warning to us this morning in the next verse. So he talks about the weaker brother, but now he talks about the stronger brother. Look what he says. Beware. But beware. When you see beware, should we take note of that? If you guys see a beware sign in someone's backyard, beware of Rottweiler. Would you stick your finger through there and say meow? Beware means look out. Watch out. You're headed somewhere you shouldn't go. Warning. Look what he says. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to who? To those who are weak. Paul says, warning, gling, 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 gling. Look out, man. There's a possibility of your freedom becoming something that trips up a weaker brother. And by the way, that word stumbling block, in the Greek, it's scandalon. It speaks of, you guys ever seen like a trap? It has the arm and you put the bait on it. Anybody ever seen that? No, we got mouse traps somewhere. You can see them. That, that's what it's talking about. It's, it's, it's baiting someone. We get the word scandalize from that word in the Greek, scandalon. You're putting something in front of someone else 
to cause them to stumble. And we're talking about, what are we talking about? What's our topic again? Liberties, thank you. Using your liberty to trip someone up. That's heavy, man. It happens, by the way. Sometimes unawares, but sometimes we just say, you know, I don't care who sees what they think. I'm free in Christ. I can live any way I choose. And listen, buckaroo, buckarette. <laughs> this is a heavy warning, man, of what, of what you can do to your sister or brother. And by the way, Jesus said, if you trip up a little one, didn't he get all gangster? Be better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the ocean than trip up a little one. It's heavy, man. Listen, we're free to eat whatever we want to eat. The weaker brother has restrictions. The stronger brother does not. But here's the deal. Like street level, our freedoms can affect our brothers or sisters. The stronger brother must consider when he's exercising or she's exercising their liberties. We need to consider others in this, you guys. Look at verse 10. Paul gives the scenario. How's this going to roll out? What does this look like? Verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, that's the stronger brother, right? You're eating in an idol's temple. Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish? For whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Isn't that heavy? Yep. It, it's heavier than I ever thought till I studied this passage again this week and kind of dug deeper into some of these words. Here's the scenario. Paul lays it out for him. Hey, you're the stronger brother, right? You're the one with knowledge. What knowledge, by the way? Freedom. That idols are nothing. There's only one God. Those idols are fakes. They're phonies. They're a joke, man. You have that knowledge. And he says here, you're the one with the knowledge and you are exercising your liberty to have a steak at Zeus's bar and grill. You got liberty to do that. That's cool. Go for it, man. But now the weaker brother walks by. Here he comes, right? Yeah. And you know he struggles with this issue. It's a guy who deeply struggles with this. And he sees you eating, and he thinks, that's not a big deal. And he talks himself into eating the meat offered to idols. And now he's headed for trouble, for wipeout brought right back into the very thing that he had been set free from. It's interesting that word, the, the phrase be emboldened, it's the same word we read earlier for edify. So you're edifying, you're building that person up to sin. Listen, Paul's talking about enticing someone to sin, especially against their own conscience. That's pretty heavy, isn't it, you guys? This is not talking about, like, legalism. Like, 
I shared this first service. Pastor, it stumbles me you don't wear a suit. I don't care that you don't ever wear socks. It's just you don't wear suits. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm, not str- I'm not stumbling that brother unto sin. I'm offending his legalism. <laughs> There's a big difference. And verse 11 says, you're the brother who knows what's up. Because of your knowledge, you know what's up and you potentially open the door in their life for them to do things they shouldn't and it may lead to wipe out. That word perish is so heavy, by the way. If you look it up, it speaks of total wipeout, ruin. For those who are of a Calvinistic persuasion, that's a tough verse to wrestle with. The whole deal that Jesus died only for a select few. Once saved, always saved. Chew on that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's not for us. We're just, just a side note. I just want to say that that person may get sucked back into following a lie and living a fantasy and get wiped out. You know what happens? It does happen, by the way. I've seen it happen. Listen, I used to drink. I don't drink anymore at all. Been set free. I don't drink because I've seen the damage it did to me, the damage it does to others. But there are some people that, they're, they're, today, in this culture, there is this fresh kind of... Uh, Fresh kind of freedom, fresh kind of cool vibe now to drink. It's like cool for Christians. And we put stuff on the internet. We put it up for people to see on our social media. And you may be having one drink. But you know what happens? You've just encouraged someone that may be set free from that to say, you know what, I'm going to... Hey, he's ha- Jim Bob's having one. Mary Sue, she's, ta- she's drinking a margarita over here at Don Jose's or whatever. How can you say that, Pastor? Why? Because I minister to people that have gone back into that. Starting with one drink and then back to drunkenness, back to a dominating sin, and then dependence upon what they've been set free from rather than dependence upon the Lord. And the whole thing is about others. This liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. I just am warning us, be careful of the attitude that says, I'm going to exercise my liberty and I could care less who sees. You know who sees? Jesus sees. And Paul reminds us here of the value of people. Do you value people? Or do you value your liberty over people? That's what it boils down to. Because Jesus values every single one of you. Loves you. We just talked about that. He knows you. He accepts you. He cares for you. You're his precious work. You're his workmanship. And now, because of my liberty, I'm going to ruin Jesus' workmanship? Wow. That is, like the, that is the pinnacle of pride, friend. To say, I don't care what the word says. I'll do it my own way. That's heavy. There's something more important than exercising your liberties or being right. That's building up your brother in the Lord. Not setting them up for destruction. 
The sin, verse 12, what is the sin? The stumbling the weaker brother over your food, over your liberty. Listen, no liberty is worth hurting your brother, weak or strong. They're part of the body of Christ. And we're going to take communion this morning, and we're reminded that we are his body. That he gave his body, he gave his life for you and I to connect us to him and to connect us to one another. And that he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. This is a serious warning from God for us this morning. Because look at Paul says, look at how it ends. And then we'll take communion together. Look at how it, how it finishes up here. This one more verse. Therefore, in light of that, what does Paul say? Uh, by the way, if you back up to verse 12, there was a pronoun change. And, and, and it says, when you sin thus against the brethren plural, and wound their weak conscience. I'm not going to finish just yet. You're not only damaging one person, you're hurting the whole body. Because when one member suffers, we all suffer. Damaging, it's far-reaching, the tentacles go out when we don't consider others. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies and builds up. Paul says, therefore, in light of that, If food, notice it, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Isn't that, he just, now he says, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll drink shakes, Nutrisystem, or whatever. (laughs) If my brother gets tripped up, I'll abstain from eating meat forever. I'll eat tofu. Why? Because I don't want to trip up my brother. I want to walk in love. I'll I'll limit. There's times I need to limit my liberty in order that God's work won't be damaged or destroyed. Listen, people are more important than your liberties. God values each and every one of us. Listen, you and I can do this, can't we? Can we do this? I don't know, Pastor. Listen, because when it's all said and done, we don't need our liberty. We can live without our liberty. Are you sure, Pastor? I don't know if I can live without my liberty. You absolutely can. I can. Why? Because we have Jesus. And He is sufficient. Do you guys believe that? He is sufficient. In Him, it's in Him we live. It's Him. him. It's not Him plus anything else. In Him we live. So we abide in Him and seek Him. And live for him in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. Such an awesome, Lord, chapter, awesome passage. We know it's from your heart to ours. I pray, God, please, for my precious brothers and sisters, that they would take away those things that have come from your heart. Anything else would be blown away like chaff. That the precious would be removed from the vile. And that we would walk in those things that you've ministered to each and every one of us. Lord, forgive us if we are flaunting our liberties and that this morning we would repent. Forsake that attitude, that behavior. If we're looking down our nose with self-righteousness at others. God, that we would repent this morning. We don't want to be a bunch of Pharisees. God, help us.
that we might realize this morning how much we need you, that, and that we would grow in grace and in the knowledge of you. So thank you, Lord. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, before we come to the communion table, perhaps you've been listening this morning and you realize that you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. Maybe you know about him or what others have said about him. But do you know him personally? Do you have a relationship with him? It's the most important decision you will ever make concerning Jesus, the one who came from heaven to earth, who gave his life for you and for me. He died on the cross for our sins. He suffered, died, and was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And he offers life. He offers forgiveness to anyone that will come to him. That means turning from the way you're going. Having a change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. You turn to Jesus today and you trust him. You believe on his name. Is that you this morning? You're saying, yeah. Mike, I've never really come to know Jesus personally, and I realize it right now. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now as you open your heart to him. I will lead you in a prayer. I'm not asking you to join a church or sign some membership card or perform some ritual. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus can save you and will save you right here, right now. You raise up your hand if that's you. Let me pray with you. You raise up your hand real high if that's you. And we're going to pray together as you open your heart to him. Anyone at all this morning? Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much for this amazing family that you've brought together. Your family. Pray you'd help us to navigate these undefined areas. That we would look more like Jesus. That we would bring you glory. That your name would be hallowed. So thank you for the great things you're going to do. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.